So over the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of Advanced 2020. And I hope that you hear that the primary objective of this is not an offering, but it's a lifestyle. And a few weeks ago, I encouraged you to begin a fundamental process of believing and advancing the gospel. And we say that it's only possible really if there's three things that are a part of who you are. The very first one is that you would believe in a God who created everything. That everything that we possess, every fiber of our being, was created by God and for him, according to Colossians 1. And we know that if we're created by him and for him, then there's really nothing about us and our being and the essence in which God created us that is ours of our own use. That we are all his collectively to give to the body of Christ. Because we not only believe in a God who created us, but we also believe in a God who recreates us for his purposes. We believe that, honestly, that most of us are broken people, that in our sin we are separated from a holy God. But because of the fact that God lavished his love on us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8, that we have an opportunity to be, what, made new. That uh, in the original creation, we were created to be good, we fell in our sin. And because of that, God recreates us through a divine appointment in our lives in which he takes the old, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and he brings something new in us. And that's what the fundamental belief is in our lives, that there's a God who created everything and he recreates things that have been broken. But it also causes us that if, in fact, God has recreated us to belong to something, to belong to his body, what we would call the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, people who now say that because God has changed my life, I no longer live for myself. But I live for the God who changed my life. And so because we belong to the body, we realize that there are no insignificant parts. And as we think about just the church and about the body of Christ, that Christ is the head, but we function as many members, we realize there's no insignificant parts. That there's there's a use for hands and for feet and for eyes and for ears and for the nose. Matter of fact, the, the eyes can't say to the ears, I have no use for you. And your hands shouldn't say to the feet, I have no use for you. Why? Because every single one of us plays an integral part. Why? Because God created us uniquely with spiritual gifts to be used for the entire body. And here's what we believe. We believe that if God created us, he recreates us, and we belong to his body, that it's really important that we realize we can do more together than we ever could by ourselves. And so that brings us to this last, this fundamental belief, and and you only grasp this one if you grasp the first two, and that's the idea of blessing, the idea of blessing someone else. Now, if you think about blessing, that's a that's a terminology that oftentimes used. Like you you may be at a restaurant and you may have a waitress, and she may say, "Hey, have a blessed day," or you, you might run into someone. This week, I ran into someone, and I I said, "Hey, how are you doing?" And they said, "Hey." I can't complain, I'm really blessed. And there's this idea of blessing that oftentimes we fail to realize because what I want you to know is that blessings are never something that are, in a sense, deserved. Matter of fact, every blessing we receive from God is undeserved. Think about that for just a second. A blessing is a supernatural gift from God on our lives. It is a special touch from God to us. That's the idea of a blessing. A blessing is God anointing us and blessing us uniquely because of who he is in our life. 
Now, if you think about that, that's a little different approach than what we oftentimes think of. But if God has blessed us by a supernatural touch, then it helps us realize what he's blessing us for. Matter of fact, if you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me. uh, And I want you to recall the the story uh, in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, you're going to see in just a second that God's going to call a guy named Abram, and he's going he's gonna to call him to leave the land of the Chaldeans in Ur to go and to, to a new land that God's going to call him to. And so Abram calls his wife Sarah and says, hey, we're going to follow what God wants us to do. And, and they leave their land, and they go to a new one, and God says to them, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And he goes, I'm going to make you the father and the mother of a nation that's going to bless the earth. Now, here's the deal, is that that didn't happen overnight. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 21, you're going to see that it took quite some time. There were a lot of doubts from Abraham and Sarah as to whether or not God would ever really make them parents of a great nation. She had grew old in in her age, and she began to doubt that God would ever give them a son that would extend their heritage. Matter of fact, she got sold that it seemed like it was downright impossible, that God couldn't bless them and that he wouldn't bless them. But in 21, it says that finally God blessed them as he had promised. Now, you realize the blessing comes from God, and it came to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, even when things seemed impossible. But I want you to realize why it was that God blessed them in the first place. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me in Genesis chapter 12. And it simply says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Now, doesn't that sound fantastic? He goes, hey, I want you to go. I want you to leave everything that you know. I want you to follow me, and I'm going to make your name great. And so you think, man, God blesses us, so he makes us great. But if you read on, look what it says so that you will be a what? A blessing. Listen, God blessed Abraham so he could be a blessing. Like if you look at that verse, it says, I'm going to bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is not an afterthought as to why God called him. It is the very purpose in which he called Abram. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation so that other people are blessed because of you. See, if you begin to realize this idea of a blessing being a touch from God, then you begin to realize that blessings don't simply come to us, but they're actually meant to come to us and then through us. God blesses us supernaturally, not so that we receive it, not so that we consume it, not so that we keep it to ourselves, but so that we're a blessing, that we're a channel to other people. Now, if you start thinking about that rationale, then you'll begin to look at it from the lens of Scripture, and you'll notice that time and time and time and time and time again, you see this same principle throughout Scripture. Like, this isn't just something that you see in one occurrence, but it's actually something that you see throughout your entire Bible, God blessing people for the purposes of them blessing others. Matter of fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he's going to find a couple of guys casting their nets, and and he's going to say, hey, come follow me that I would make you what? Fishers of men. So what does he say? He goes, hey, I, want, I want to call you to follow me so that I will change your life and that as a result, you 
will change others' lives. See, the idea here is that God is not blessing us as an afterthought, but he is blessing us so that we would join him in an invitation. See, blessings are always a part of the initial call. And you being a blessing is never an afterthought, but it's always a part of God's original invitation. See, that changes things for a second. You've always heard in church that if you will just ask Jesus in your life, if he'll come in, he'll forgive you your sins, and he'll give you heaven, then he'll bless you. But you always fail to hear the part of why God blesses you. See, God doesn't give you an eternal dwelling place just so that you can keep all of his blessings. He actually says, I want to invite you into the narrative. I want to forgive you of sins. I want to recreate you, give you a new life in Christ so that you go and you be a blessing. I'm going to change the narrative of your story so that you change the narrative of other stories. I mean, think about it. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he goes to the disciples, I want you to go to all nations, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he goes, I'm going to call you to go and make disciples of all nations. The purpose of it is what? I'm going to invite you so that I can send you. That is the church. The church is invited into a narrative of forgiveness by God so that he can send you out to be a, a disciple maker. He says it to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you bless others. He says it to the disciples, I want you to come follow me so I can make you a blessing and you can go and fish after other men. Do you see this idea? And it's over and over and over and over. But we never think about the call of God in our lives, the blessing, the supernatural touch, as it being an invitation to pursue other people who need the same invite. We always look at God's invite and supernatural touch as something that Wow, I was really blessed. And then we keep it to ourselves. And that's not the call of God in our lives. Matter of fact, it continues throughout the scriptures in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Paul says it this way to the church at Ephesus. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. You got that? It's a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, what? prepared when? Hold on, what? He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you mean to tell me that before God forgave you, before he invites you to the narrative, he was going to call you to be a part of the story. He was going to recreate your darkened heart so that you would do his works before he ever called you. That's what he says to Abram. Abram, I called you to leave your land so that you would be a blessing. Disciples, I called you to leave your nets behind so that you would be a blessing. Church, I called you not because of what you've done. Matter of fact, the blessings that you have from God are undeserved. They are by grace, not by works. You, you don't earn your way to God's blessings. Every blessing you have from God is undeserved. You did absolutely nothing to acquire them. And you go, well, well what, about, what about my hands? Well, who gave them to you? Well, what about my business? What about all the, 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 the intellectual moves I made? Well, who gave you the intellect? Who gave you the wisdom? You see, we confuse success and blessings. Success is man-made, but blessings are supernatural and they're God-ordained. But if God supernaturally touches you, he did it so that you would be a blessing, a channel of blessing to other people. And he did it so that before he ever called you, you would be a blessing. That's really cool, isn't it? But then he goes on. I mean, uh, matter of fact, you, you see 
that we should walk in those blessings. Uh, Peter says it this way uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. He says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what's the word there? Say it with me. Bless. Okay, hold on. I know you can't hardly read in the back. Let's try it again. What is it? Bless. We want to bless. For this is why you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. He goes, look, the church should look differently. Matter of fact, he says, if you start thinking about why we were called, he says, we were called we were recreated. We were meant to belong to a body so that we would, what, be a blessing to other people. And as we bless other people, we don't do it just by resources because you do it by a lifestyle. He goes, matter of fact, you shouldn't look like the world does. See, the world lives by this ideal that it's an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. That if they do something to me, then I'll turn, I'll, I'll turn a favor back to them. And that's not what Scripture says. And that's exactly what Peter's saying. He goes, no, we don't repay insult for insult. We don't live by eye for an eye. Matter of fact, Jesus says some really radical things like pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who are your enemies. Like that's totally unfathomable. Like we are a blessing and we're a blessing to a world who doesn't understand that blessings come from God. Matter of fact, here's what's awesome too, is if you look at this, it says, the reason we bless is that that's the purpose in which you were called. Do you see that? Again, blessing is, is always a part of the invitation. God blesses you so you can bless others. This isn't some new thing. It's not like, oh man, this is a creative spin here. No, there's nothing creative about it. We're blessed so that we bless others. Then look, so that you would obtain a blessing. The idea is Proverbs eleven twenty five, and I'll just put it for you up on the screen, but it just simply says, whoever brings blessings will, will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. If you were looking at another translation, it may say something like this, he who refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed. Have you ever, have you ever gone in, into a restaurant and that same waitress who says, hey, have a blessed day, you pick up on some lingo or dialect that you go, you know what, she, she may actually understand this whole principle of who God is and you think, I'm going to really be a blessing. And so what you do is, is that you just, at the end of the tip, you just leave a $100 bill. I, I mean, your, your tip should be pretty minimal, but you think, I'm going to change this lady's life. Because I want you to realize that giving can be in a variety of different ways. And we, we can give to the local church. We can give to other organizations we believe in. But sometimes we just give to people in need. You, you realize there's a waitress who maybe is a single mom, and you go, I'm going to bless her. And you love that feeling, don't you? The feeling of anonymity, that you just bless someone, you kind of walk away, and people don't even know that you did it. But as you bless someone, you're oftentimes encouraged yourself, aren't you? It's a blessing. Like God just refreshes your spirit. That's the idea here. And when we bless other people, we oftentimes receive the greater blessing. And that's kind of the picture that you see throughout Scripture. I think another way you could look at it is that God has blessed us merely so that we are, in a sense, jars of clay. And if you can begin to look at your life like a jar of clay, I think it, it symbolizes a handful of things. Number one, you think about a jar of clay. I, I mean, really, how valuable is a jar of clay? I mean, you, you could see those things lying around everywhere. And, and you start thinking about your life, you think about all the pieces that your life contained that God put back together. That in the act of recreation, he, he created this, this jar that's to be used for his purposes. 
And then I look at my life, I'm reminded of my jar. And I, I can look at all the scars I have. I have, I have several little cracks. And, and to be honest with you, you're probably like me. You have a few leaks in your jar, you know. But every now and then, if you just allow God to fill your cup, it seems like the blessings that he gives us always outweighs the leaks that we have in our life. But the purpose of him giving us a jar which contains the spirit of the living God, and as he flows out in our lives as the purpose, is that we would overflow. And as we overflow, we overflow with thankfulness to God, but also into others' lives. That's who you are. You are a jar of clay, a broken vessel that God pieced back together, scars, defects, some leaks, but God can use. I love that. That's the way that Paul wrote it to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It just says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. What is the treasure? We have God's blessing. His spirit lives in us in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The reason you're a jar of clay is that you could be reminded in humility that you were a broken vessel that God pieced back together. Oh, church, if we could just be reminded of that one thing. You know how arrogant we become oftentimes as Christians? You know, the longer we seem to, to know God and seem that we receive his blessings because we think we've deserved them at some point, how arrogant we become. But if you can always remind yourself that you're a mere jar of clay pieced back together in a vessel that flows to others, it gives you a sense of humility. And that humility is, is passed on to other people. For instance, in the whole Vegas thing that just happened a few weeks ago, what a horrific tragedy. Uh, a tragedy that many of us as Christians, we look at and we say, uh, God, there is so much evil in the world. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a blessing. I hope that, God, you would help us to, to remind ourselves that there are a, a, a world of broken people in need. But the other part of Christianity puts things on Facebook like, you know, Maybe God used this because there are a lot of people in Vegas and the most sinful city in the world, and they needed that. Maybe that's God's judgment. Maybe that's his wake-up call. But see, I, I think the thing is, is this. When we fail to see the humility of God in our lives, I think we miss something. And here's what I want you to realize. People who do not know Jesus are not our enemies. They're our customers. The very reason that we are here is not to please a bunch of arrogant people sitting in a seat that's comfortable. My job as a leader is not to please you. It is to reach people with the gospel. And I, I hope that you sincerely know and understand my heart that the customer is the person who still needs Jesus, who's living in darkness, who needs a touch from the Creator to recreate the brokenness, to mend their jar in which they can know and understand the blessing of God. And the way that God has uniquely created this is not that he shows up in a dream or a burning bush to every person on earth. He created this organism called the church that as we receive a special touch from God, that we would share a special touch from God, that we would be a blessing. That's the idea of the church is to remind ourselves who our customer is, because we have a customer. And if you understand that type of humility, I think we can begin to see people from a different lens. If you remind yourself that you were once broken, you have cracks and you have leaks, 
but God seems to fill you anyway, then it can remind you that there are other people who need you. Paul reminds the church in 2 Corinthians 9 a little bit further on in verse 8 through uh, really 11, kind of this idea. And I want to just share it with you, okay? And, and this is what it means. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the idea there is this, is that God allows grace to abound in you, so what? So you would consume it all? So that you would just keep it for yourself? Oh, wow, I'm going to heaven, this is great. No, he goes, I, I'm going to let grace abound in you. I'm going to let you enjoy the sufficiency of all things at all times so that grace would abound in you through every good work. If you mash that up with Ephesians 2, you know it's the works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So he goes, I want to use you. If you've, uh, if you've ever heard of the Dead Sea, I haven't actually seen it in person, but I had a friend smuggle some uh, water back one time, and I got to fill it in my hands. It is the most disgusting water uh, in all of the world. And the reason why is the Dead Sea um, is, is really at the end of the, the Jordan River, and the Jordan dumps off into it. And the Dead Sea is the lowest point on all of the earth surrounded by land. Now, there are a handful of other places in terms of uh, in the ocean that may be deeper in terms of a, a sea, point, uh, sea level, but the deal is, is that this is the lowest level on earth surrounded by land. And you have, uh, you have water that comes down from the wadis. You have uh, other like, snow that will melt from Mount Hermon. It all just kind of flows down into this Jordanian valley, and then it all eventually ends up in the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is uh, a place that there is no plant and really no animal life at all. And the reason why is because the content of salt is 8.6 times higher than any other ocean there is in, in the world. And so there, there is really no life there. And the reason there's no life is not simply because it's the lowest point on earth. It's because there's nothing that flows out of the Dead Sea. And so all it does is dump in and it just literally just sits in itself. And I'll tell you that when you and I become someone who abounds in grace from God and keeps it all to ourselves. And in some, in some ways, we become kind of a dead sea. We just kind of soak it up, and we become a really rich salt content that's not good for anything. And God said, what, you should let your light shine before men, that you should be the salt of the earth. The goal is, is that we would allow blessings to flow to us and through us. Paul goes on after showing that grace should abound in us, and he says that there is one who supplies. And in verse 10, you'll see it. He says, he who supplies, meaning God, he supplies the seed of the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, real quickly, here's what Paul, Paul means. He means that as you begin to realize what God has done, you'll realize why God does it. So when I first moved out here, um, I was a city slicker. It didn't take but uh, about six and a half years for Kelly and I to kind of leave our country ways and enjoy uh, the amenities of the Dallas life. And so when we came back out here, uh, we began to have conversations with people in our church. And, and they look a whole lot different than in the city. Matter of fact, people would start talking to us about the, the rain levels. And so I'm like, I guess if, I, if I'm going to have a, a, an opportunity to minister to people out here, I'm going to have to figure out what the rain level was. So I went and got me a rain gauge, you know, and uh, I start talking about the rain. And then get this, as you talk about the rain, there's only one reason God gives rain, right? And that's for your garden. So then I got to start talking about gardens. And I don't know anything about gardening, uh, but I start talking to people. And, and then here's the really cool thing. You start visiting other people's gardens. Isn't that spectacular? 
man, that's a really big uh, blackberry you grow there, man. What's your secret, you know? Um, and you have conversations around rain gauges and gardens. And you, and you, you do that, you're like, okay, I guess I got to plant a garden. And, and I'm, I am a multiplier, okay? So I'm a big vision guy, and so I don't start with a little bitty small garden. I, I start with an acre, right? And uh, <laughs> in the first year, I mean, it's just overgrown by weeds because I thought it was a really cool concept of having a big garden. And then next year, we think, okay, maybe I should minimize a bit. And the answer is, no, let's go bigger. We just need to change the location. And so for the last five years, we've changed locations every year and maximizing our garden. But here's what I want you to realize. The reason that you and I have gardens is not so we consume everything. Matter of fact, that's the principle that Paul gives you right there. He says, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for what? Sowing. It's interesting that he didn't say your seed, he'll multiply your seed for consuming. He didn't say, I'll multiply your seed so you store it up. He goes, I'm multiplying your seed for an increase of the harvest of your righteousness. The reason that God supplies more seed is so that it could be planted. And if someone were to take all the seed from the previous year, they would never eat again. There's a point in which you realize God's blessed you with abundance so that you could share it again the next year, so that you could have more to plant. And I think that's kind of the false idea that's crept into the church. So many people in the church think, number one, that God is there to bless us, that somehow we deserve God's blessing to flow in our life. And I think that's a misconception. The second thing is, is that as God blesses us, he blesses it for us to have a great life in, in this world, that we should have big homes, nice boats, great cars, bigger barns to fill them up with. But the problem is, is that that's not what God means. He goes, I want to bless you. And as you bless others, I want to increase your blessings so that you have more to plant, not more to keep. So that you would be a blessing so that you, what, have a harvest of righteousness. Do you get that idea? In verse 11, it goes on and it just says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Because when you get a blessing from God and you share it rather than hoarding it, when you plant it rather than keeping it, he goes, it results in a harvest of righteousness. There's more fruit that's born, but he goes, also God is blessed. You think about the idea of blessing real quick. Blessing is something that's hard to understand in some ways, and then in other ways it's kind of simple. I mean, yes, as you think about this, you go, yes, I get it. A blessing is a touch from God to us. Yes, I get it. God's blessed us because we should probably bless other people. And I think most of us in here would agree with that. We struggle to do it, but we would agree with it. God's blessed us and we should bless others, right? That wasn't a real convincing church. <laughs> but then you got this idea that not only is God blessing us and we should bless others, but there's an idea that we should bless God. Now, what is that? What does that look like in our lives? How do we bless God? Like, because if you think about it, every blessing we received is undeserved, but every blessing we give to God is deserved. So how do you bless him? And I think Psalm 100 verses 3 and 4 kind of sum it up for us, and it sums it all up beautifully to me. And so if you look at Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord 
He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. Look at that. It is a God who created us. We believe in that, don't we? Then you look at verse 3, the latter part. It says, we are his people and we are the sheep of his pasture. So we don't just believe in the God who created us, but we belong to his herd. We are his people. We belong to him. Got that? You believe and you belong. Then look what it says. Now enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Bless his name. See, a blessing is not nearly as much about us or really even about other people, honestly. The blessing part of receiving it and sending is more about blessing God. And here's how you bless God. You bless God with your words, with your deeds, and with your life. If you realize that you've received the supernatural touch from God, then you live that out by being a blessing. And it flows to you and through you. And you bless God when you are a channel of his blessings. When you are a jar that's filled up and poured out, when you were sacrificial in nature, you're a blessing. And it's not just singing songs. It's not just gathering over his word, but it's about sharing the hope that we have by being an abundance of a harvest of righteousness to other people. And so I think I could close today by simply saying, would you please go and be a channel of God's blessing? Would you go and plant more seeds so that we see a greater harvest of righteousness? That's how we bless God. Not just with our words, not with just our actions, but by sharing the story of good news with people who are our customers. And so may we be mindful of that. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to be immediately dismissed. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to advance the gospel. And Father, I pray that we would advance the gospel not only through the year 2020, but through 2030 and 2040. And I pray that the way that we would advance it is by being obedient to you, God. Would we realize that you've touched our lives and that because so, you want us to be a blessing to other people. God, forgive me. Forgive me for so many years receiving your blessings and not sending them on. God, help me to bless your name. God, help me to be a person who cares about people who don't know you. God, would we be obedient to make disciples? And God, I pray that it would start in my own heart as I lead this church. God, would you use us for your namesake, for your glory? And Lord, would you help us to plant many more investments for the crown of righteousness that awaits us one day? God, we love you, and we thank you for your church, your bride, and we thank you that you can use us, though we're broken, simply because you are a great God that restores. We love you. We ask that you would bless us and keep us and make your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.